today on It's Time. Why do people try to earn what God has already given them? Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of 2 John. So, turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Walking in love is what God has called us to do and that we should walk in it because, again, this is why, again, God's nature is built into us. For, now again, this word for ties verse 6 to verse 7, very important. We're going to see why here. And if you like to make marks, circle the word for and then just point it back up to 6, ties it together. For many deceivers have gone into the world. Now, again, deceivers are those who look like something, but they're not. So you have to be careful when somebody in the name of Christ is violating verse 6 because they're not really walking in love. They're deceivers. And what do they do? Well, it says many deceivers have gone into the world who do not confess that Jesus... God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, the word as in your Bible in the Greek is the word is. Big different. As is past tense. Is is present past tense. I like that. Now, notice a couple of things here. It says that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. Well, everybody comes in the flesh. I, I see everybody here today. Uh, it's not your ghost sitting here. It is you sitting here. We've all come in the flesh. So there is something very unique about this verse that John is reminding either the church or a special lady or maybe even Mary about. And that is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Remember, the persecution was against the church. I, I, I'm wondering if this was written to Mary, if Mary saw the persecution that was going on. Now, put yourself in her position for a minute. She gives birth to a son, Jesus. She watches his amazing ministry, people raised from the dead, and people, lives changed, and demons uh, chased out of people, all these things. She knew all about these things. She saw her son crucified, mocked by the world, but then saw him raised from the dead. And goes, wow, this is awesome. Then sees the persecution. You see, at that point, you think, well, if they see Jesus die and then he's back alive again, appearing to over 500 people at one time and all the others that people saw him, well, everybody would follow Christ. But that's not what happens. What happens is the persecution comes against 
Christ. Now again, put yourself in her position. My son, whom I saw all these things happen, he's doing so well. He rose from the dead. He, he truly is God. And then you see the persecution get worse and worse. And anybody that's called by his name is fed to the lions or some other, uh, other torturous life. In fact, John that we're reading about here was boiled in oil. Uh, he didn't die, but uh, usually it would kill you, but it just wasn't John's time to go. And you can begin to see that her, if I was in her position, my heart would be broken because I'd see this. And then you'd also be wondering, am I next? Are they coming for me? Again, maybe very possibly why he refers to her as the elect or the chosen lady and that everybody loves you. I think that might be really important. Well, then to say that Jesus isn't who he said he was when she knew he was, she said, he says, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now again, against Christ, opposed to Christ, everything about Christ. There is the true antichrist that is coming. We find him in the book of Revelation. But we also know that the spirit of antichrist, John said in the preceding book, the spirit of antichrist is already in the world. That very spirit that probably possessed Caesar Nero to kill some six million Christians. Maybe the same spirit that moved after he's dead, wandered around the world and moved into Adolf Hitler, murdered another six million people. You see these tetrarchs down through history. Spirits go from one person to the next. By the way, this is why I think that sometimes uh, they have these different TV programs and it shows this girl sitting there and she goes, oh, I was reincarnated. I I remember when I lived in in the 16th century and I I lived in this castle and on the third step up, there's a loose brick and underneath that I used to uh, put notes under there and they would all laugh and then they go to this castle and find that there's a loose brick on the, the 13th step or whatever, just as she said. Well, that proves reincarnation. No, it proves that demons move from one person to the next person to the next person. They don't die. The Bible says that they look for some body to be in. That's why you as a Christian, you're divinely protected by the Spirit of God. Never ever alter yourself so that your that natural, wonderful Holy Spirit defense in you is weakened. I believe this is how people today become demon-possessed, through drugs. Because they're altered, their natural defense against demonic activity is broken down, the spirits move in. You get involved in the occult, and everyone, you you know, doing the Ouija board thing. Let's see if we can float the table off the floor. Okay. And they're all doing all this weird stuff, and they open themselves up to these demons, and the demons move in, and you're never the same, man. Oh, no, it isn't that you have power. You're possessed to your destruction. Remember Gadara, the man that was there, possessed with many devils, the Bible says. He would cut himself. He would break chains. He had supernatural strength. No, he wasn't himself. Lived in the graveyards. Fascination with death. See, there's something wrong. Well, understanding again that the devil's alive and well in the planet Earth, surround yourself, keep yourself in the love of God. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we have worked for. Literally, look to yourselves means consider your lifestyle. 
Consider where you're at, where you've been, where you're going. Are you on the right road this morning? Think about it for a minute. Are you moving closer to God? Or are you moving away from God? Are you becoming more and more of the chosen of God? Or are you becoming more and more in the rebellion of God? Now he says, look to yourselves. In other words, he's not looking to yourself for that inner strength, third eye in the middle of your forehead, get in the lotus position and go. Mm. He's saying, consider yourself where you're at. Are you moving towards God or away from God? That we do not lose the things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Verse 9, whoever transgresses. Now notice there's an S on the end of this word. If you like to underline things in your Bible, circle the S on the end of the word transgresses. You say, well, why is that important? Because it's speaking of a lifestyle, not failure. We all fail as Christians. I've talked to so many people. I said, do you want to give your life to Christ? They go, I would, but I'm afraid I will fail as a Christian. Let me tell you something. You will, but your God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. But there's a difference between failure and living a lifestyle contrary to the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. Those that practice these lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's nice that it's said there, but where else is it said? Well, it's said right here. We'll see this. Whoever transgresses, plural, lifestyle, not an oopsie, and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. Now, abide. What does the word abide mean? It's where you live. Now, We oftentimes will do that. Hi, where do you live? Well, it's the same word. Hi, where do you abide? (laughs) You can go up to somebody. That'll start a conversation, I guarantee it. Where do you abide? Where do you live? He's telling us to live in Christ. Why? That is the source of your strength. He says, abide in the doctrine of Christ. He says, Those that don't abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now again, this is really important because, again, that's who God is. People say, well, the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. No, but if you read the Bible, you'll see that we serve a triune being. There's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit. In fact, John 2.22 says, He that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist. Really, some serious um, charges leveled at somebody that negates who Jesus Christ is or says that there's just Jesus only, that there's no Heavenly Father, no Holy Spirit. He says, If anyone comes to you, it does not bring this doctrine. What doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. And lives a lifestyle of transgression, does not abide in him. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, in other words, bringing something else. Now again, going back to verse 7, for many deceivers have gone into the world who do not confess that Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. A lot of deceivers. They're everywhere. You know, one of the the, the things like I, I share with you, one of the things that... Mo- I, People say, well, Mike, that's not loving. If a person is in their religion, leave them alone and just let them go to hell. 
Is that love? No. You, you want to do something to stop the carnage. You want to do something to stop the bleeding. Why do people try to earn what God has already given them? Eternal life. So he says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, don't receive them into your house nor greet them, for he who greets them and shares in his evil deeds. In other words, you're perpetuating, you're supporting somebody that is doing this. Just say, hey, look. In fact, this is one of the things that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do not be deceived. Well, that tells me, first of all, since he wrote it to Christians, that we could be deceived. And if, we, if, if there's a possibility we can be deceived, there's a messenger of the deception. Do you, you follow me there? In other words, oh, I just made this up. No, there's somebody that had to tell you that you could believe in Christ, enjoy the blessings of heaven, and yet live lifestyles in direct rebellion to God. He said, don't be deceived. So a, a person that's deceived had to be deceived by someone, the deceiver. So don't encourage somebody that has fallen into that. Verse 12, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so on paper and ink. Now, there might be a reason for that. Because it may very well be these were things of the Spirit for individuals there that John was going to address. And it may very well be that if the letters got into the wrong hand, if he mentioned names or whatever, could jeopardize them in falling into the hands of the persecutors. But I hope to come to you, speak, to, speak face to face, that our joy may be full. Always remember, the fellowship of the saints is a mutual response. Not only are you blessed by somebody's there ministering to you, but as you minister to them, they're blessed as well. Verse 13, and the children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Now, again, we look at this particular verse here and you might say, elect sister. Again, this is why I have problems with it being the church, because the church doesn't have sisters. Well, somebody might say, well, it's talking about a different group of Christians in another town. Well, that's probable, but not likely. Did Mary, Jesus' mother, have sisters? The answer is yes. In fact, we'd like, let's turn to it so you'll know. It's found in the book of John, 1925. Now, this is when Jesus had died on the cross, or he's dying on the cross. And some of his friends came to see him. And verse 25 of John says, who was there? Now there stood at the cross of Jesus, his mother, which would be Mary, his mother's sister. Wow. How many people here today, when you walked in here, knew that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a sister? Some of you do. You've been reading your Bible. But it says his mother's sister was there. And very possibly the same one that's being referenced here in verse 13 of Second John. And it says also, uh, Mary, the wife of Caiaphas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, the point is, is this. The children of your elect sister, your chosen sister, 
So if it is in fact Mary, it would be uh, her believing sister. Greet you. Amen. Amen in the Bible. <laughs> My daughter, when she prays, and she, uh, you know, kids' perception of things is funny, and so she'll be done praying, and she'll go, instead of, instead of, in Jesus' name, she'll say, and instead of just amen, she'll say, the amen. Well, I kind of like that. But amen means so be it. That's, that's what amen means, so be it. And so the children of your elect sister, again. So who is the elect lady? Well, we don't know for sure. It sure seems to me that it might be Mary, whom Jesus put in control or in charge, John, to take care of his mom. We find this encouraging letter when so much persecution was going on, when no doubt Mary, as well as all the early church believers, saw the, the well, as it says in verse 7, many deceivers. There was a lot of them coming in to deceive people. So, understanding the encouragement of abiding in Christ, which is the foundational teaching of, of all Christianity, of abiding in what Jesus says, this letter that was written to encouragement to perhaps Mary, which would show that she wasn't deity. Uh, Catholic Church teaches that you can pray to Mary or Jesus. doesn't make any difference because they both are co-redemptresses. No, the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. And that's important that you know that. So we have only one person that we have to do with, and that's Jesus Christ. Again, a corrective letter, written. And this little book, it has so much there. So who's the elect lady? I can't say for sure. It appears to me it's Mary. If you hold a different view, that's all right. But the other verses do not seem to work well with any other idea. Again, the elect sister, and yet we know Jesus had sisters. Uh, we know that, excuse me, that, that Mary had sisters. That everybody loved this woman, whoever it was. Not only I, but all those who have known the truth loved her. That would seem to be uh, a, a real possibility for that. Understanding that the church doesn't have children. We're children of God, not children of the church. Eh, something for you to think about. But what the message is, is abiding in Christ. Are you living there with him today? That's what's important. You have to make that decision. All foundational teachings in the Bible go back to the abiding in Jesus' doctrine. And Jesus said to love one another. I pray this morning that you've come to that understanding of God's great love for you, that you are chosen by him. You're God's elect, and the elect again means chosen. Have you recognized that as a Christian, that you're chosen for God's purpose? You say, well, what is that purpose? You've got to ask him. You've got to ask him, God, what do you want me to do for you? That's when we remember what Jesus taught the disciples. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, God wants to relate with you as his children. Not some unknowable God beyond the cosmos. He wants to relate with you as his child. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I cannot pray that prayer 
as a person that has not been born again by the Spirit of God. Because it's my kingdom come, my will be done. That's what the Olson nature says. But when we become born again, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You're chosen, you're elected. Do you know what you're elected for? Pray, say, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? And I'm going to trust you to open and close the doors. Now, this is where it gets fun. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Get busy and start asking, seeking, and knocking. The Bible says, he'll open the door unto you. I love that. I don't have to kick the door off the hinges. (laughs) I don't have to, behold, I stand at the door and pick the lock. I don't have to do any of those things. All I got to do is... Say, okay, Lord, knock, and it'll be open unto you. Because when you're led by the Spirit of God, you're going to accomplish the will of God. And that's what really, truly growing up in Jesus is about. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're in this room listening around the world on the Internet or uh, across uh, CSN stations, the first thing you need to do, the Bible says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just. You know, confessing your sins is hard because you have to own up to what you are. I'd rather just not think about it. Just get stoned, get loaded. Don't think about all those things I did wrong. But you know, when you finally come down, you have to realize what you've been up to. And are those things reflective of God? Bible says, confess our sins. You confess your sins, the Bible says, he will forgive you. I love that. You're never beyond the forgiveness of God. The devil will say, you've sinned too much. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. The Bible says, You confess your sins, he'll forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? Every day is new with Jesus. Every day is new. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Every day is new with Jesus. And so the thing is, walk in his love. Now, again, if there's things in your life where you're falling into the transgressions or practicing sin on a regular basis, that's a great place to start. Lord, I want to get out of this sin. Show me what I need to do to get out of this sin, and I'll do it. And God will open the door. Now remember, you go, but I like my sin. Ain't that the problem, friends? We like our sin. You know why we like our sin? Because we don't know what it's doing to us. God says, I know what that lifestyle is going to do in two years or five years or 10 years down the road or maybe next week. That's why I want you to get out of it. Because you see, when we don't do what God says, we're in rebellion. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be healed. He wants that joy that comes from him. And if we're saying, well, I like my sin. I want to stay in my sin. I don't want to get out of what I'm doing. We're saying, well, God, I don't trust you. First of all, trust God. The more you know of God, the more you trust him. This morning, if you've never prayed, ask Christ in your life. You are transgressing. I've got some good news for you. God will help you out of that mess you're in and set you free. If you need to pray this morning, let's pray. We'll come to Christ and give it all to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I don't want to live the way I've lived one more day. I want to be your chosen. I want to be your purpose now. And so your word says, if I confess my sins, God, I'm a sinner. And I need your salvation. 
I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so I repent now of my foolish way of living. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Thank you for eternal life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.